Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, where my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Paul Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. My guest this week is Adam Liska. He is the CEO of the World Poker Tour. The 2023 World Poker Tour World Championship Festival is coming up November 29th to December 21st at the Win in Las Vegas. $40 million in guaranteed prize pool for the main event. That's up from $15 million last year. If you've listened to this show, I'm not a very good poker player, but I really like high-stakes poker. Two of my favorite movies of all time are Rounders with Matt Damon and Ed Norton and Molly's Game with Jessica Chastain and Idris Elba. The real Molly has been on this show before, so search for that interview if you want to hear Molly Bloom talk about Molly's Game. But excited for our guest on this week's edition of Sports Business Radio. Please rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. We love to hear from you and love to get your feedback, share our episodes with colleagues. We hear from people every week. It's like a master class from the experts that we have on every week on this show. We're coming up on year 20 next year in 2024. So lots of conversations over the years that you could share. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? Doing great. And, uh, you know, hey, I'm not a, a poker player, but I do love to watch the world of poker. And it is uh, that much money. I can't imagine sitting at that table with a stack of chips this high. I mean, <laughs> every play is so important. I'd be freaking out. <laughs> well, the thing that Adam will bring up, I mean, he brings up many great points in the conversation. But when you're playing as a pro and this is what you do for a living. Yeah. You understand things at a different level. So for instance, body language, right? Like if I was playing poker with someone, I mean, unless they were just making the craziest faces and you're like, (laughs) oh my God, they have a good hand or wow, they have a really bad hand. The professional poker player can tell body language. They can read body language. They, They know what your tells are. So it's a skill. It's not a game of chance as much as it is a game of skill. Uh, you know, obviously you have to be lucky with the card, but then, you know, you have to know how to handle the cards that you have. Right. But yeah, you're right. Like it, at the final table, you know, you're sitting in and everyone at the table is basically, you know, eligible to win a million dollars. The person who wins the World uh, Poker Tour Championship 
can win five or six million dollars. So this is high stakes. I mean, I get nervous if I'm playing uh, nickels, dimes and quarters (laughs) with you and Brad Kinzer and a few other friends in my backyard during the summer. Exactly. I can't imagine sitting there with, you know, five or six million dollars on the line. I'd probably have a lot of tells is what my my guess would be. Well, I'd be worried, too. Like you were saying, the body language, like what if I make a weird twerk or my eye goes the wrong way and somebody's yeah. like you suck you have a bad hand it's just like i would be just there's so much going on in those guys minds it's just fascinating i love it well and that's why again uh you know rounders is one of my favorite movies yeah because when uh matt damon's character is playing like there's a lot of he he has to factor in the body language to uh bluffing and you know to playing his opponent because he's playing oftentimes straight up so, you know, in these tournaments, you're playing multiple people at a time. But when you're playing straight up, all the spotlight is on you. So anyways, this is a fascinating conversation. Um, just another huge event that's coming to Las Vegas. We were just there, what, six weeks ago, uh, talking to Kerry Bubholz, the uh, president and CEO of the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Um, we had Greg Maffei on. About two months ago, F1 is coming to Las Vegas at the end of this month. So, you know, here comes another mega event coming to Las Vegas. The win Las Vegas, they always host huge events. So, um, you know, it's going to be a really cool event to watch on TV. I'm going to watch it with a different perspective after hearing Adam speak on our show this week. But uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, the other thing is, you could be an average Joe and say, you know what? I want to get in with 600 bucks. I'm not going to play at the million dollar table, but I'm going to play in a different bracket. And I've got 600 bucks and I'm going to go for it. So it kind of has like this Rocky feel to it where, <laughs> you know, the underdog can walk in from off the street, put down 600 bucks. And who knows? Maybe you win $10,000 or $20,000. So, that's kind of cool, too. There's not many things. I mean, maybe like the U.S. Open golf or U.S. Open tennis where someone from the field can emerge and, you know, you're playing a superstar in the end. But this has kind of a, a Rocky-esque feel to it as well. Yeah, I was thinking kind of March Madness, too. You have the underdog school right. that's never played in the tournament and all of a sudden they're, you know, in the lead eight. So it's kind of that, that vibe, too. And I, I do love that it's open to pretty much you got the money to put down, you can get in the brackets. That's that's pretty fun, too. All right. Before we get to the interview with Adam, lots of sports business headlines to address for the week. Let's go with headline number one. The Texas Rangers are World Series champions. Great for Texas. First time in their history that they've won the World Series. Corey Seager is the MVP. It'll be interesting to see, does this open up some doors for him with marketing? do more brands, embrace him, and approach him with deals. But Griggs, one of the main takeaways for me, first, I'll I'll be honest, I'm from Phoenix, so I was disappointed the Diamondbacks didn't win, but who expected them to be there in the first place? So good on them for even getting to the World Series. But it was the least watched World Series in history. Mm. And I think we're at this moment now where we need to stop and pause and go, Major League Baseball is a regional sport. It's not a national sport. It's a regional sport. Uh, Teams can do very well with attendance. Teams can be profitable in their market. But this doesn't translate 
to being a nationwide interest. People in Texas, obviously very interested in the Rangers. People in Arizona, very interested in the Diamondbacks. Outside of those markets, obviously people didn't care as much. So 9.1 million, that was the average viewership. They did win the night on Fox when they were on. So that was good for Fox. But Griggs, to put this into comparison, 2016, not that long ago. So we're not talking like the 1970s here when World Series telecasts would on a bad night do 20 million, on a good night do closer to 50 million. 2016, game seven, Cubs and then the Indians, now the Guardians, 40 million. (laughs) So you're talking about a quarter of the audience for this World Series as what they had in 2016 with Cubs and Indians at the time. So um, I don't know. I, I think we're at this point. Baseball's still healthy. It's profitable. Uh, the owners seem to very, be very happy. There's a lot of you know healthy things about baseball. But when you say, hey, sit down and watch the fall showcase, the, the biggest event we have, the World Series, not that many people are tuning in. And in fact, Griggs, and this is not at all a shot against women's sports. This is actually a very strong statement about women's sports. The women's basketball final four averaged 9.9 million. So for those people out there who go, no one watches women's sports, it's not worth investing in. It averaged more the women's basketball final four averaged more than the men's major league baseball world series. Pretty incredible. That's really incredible. And, you know, we talked about this when we were not on the show, but, um, you know, they pit the games against the NFL, you know, you got playoff games and world series games on a Sunday night, a Monday night. And it's just like, it's just not going to even compare. Everybody's going to watch the NFL, which is a worldwide sport. Basically now everybody's watching NFL. So it's like, that's also not a good look. And it's tough when before the World Series, when you have the other, you know, the other series going on, the games are at two in the afternoon and work days. Right. I mean, people aren't watching. Yeah. You're just not going to watch the games. Yeah. So again, you know, and I've had this conversation with my buddy Keith Foreman, who, uh, you know, watches baseball every single day. He's a diehard. It's a regional sport. Let's, let's embrace the fact that it's a regional sport. That's fine. But it's not something like the Super Bowl or the NBA Finals or the WNBA Finals that people are going to sit down and go, okay, this is appointment viewing. No one is rearranging their schedule to watch the World Series unless you're a fan of the teams of the participants, in this case, the Rangers and the Diamondbacks. Okay, our next headline. Greg, do you know... I'm one of my old sayings since hosting this show is a fish rots from the head down. Okay. <laughs> I always talk about the alignment with owner, GM, coach, star player. If you don't have that alignment, oftentimes the results aren't going to be very good. And certainly you're not going to be a championship organization. Well, guess what? The Las Vegas Raiders this past week. At 2 a.m. Eastern time, I think 11 p.m. Pacific time, in the dark of the night, fired head coach Josh McDaniels and GM Dave Ziegler. So there's two layers to this story for me. 
Number one, Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders. And if you watch the show Succession, this is kind of like Roman Roy running the Raiders. He's the son of Al Davis. And, you know, I'm sure Mark has learned a little bit about the business, but let's not mistake. Mark Davis was not groomed to be the Ra- the owner of the Raiders like Jeannie Buss was groomed to be the owner of the Lakers. From an early age, Jeannie Buss was taught the business by her dad, Dr. Jerry Buss. That was not the same with Al Davis and his son, Mark. Mark now runs the Raiders because Al Davis has passed on. So if you just start there, you go, okay, he inherited this. Okay. He he didn't he didn't earn this. He inherited this. Listen to this, Griggs. I mean, this is astonishing. Mark Davis and the Raiders are paying $85 million to people who aren't going to work for them. <laughs> that now include Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, and former Raiders head coach, John Gruden. $85 million to people to not work for you. <laughs> when you talk about identifying talent and hiring talent, rule number one, do not hire talent that isn't going to last very long and that you've got a lot of money invested in so you can't move on from that money. Like if you're going to take a risk on someone, don't pay them a lot of money. Let them earn the money. Don't say, hey, we're going to pay you a multi-year contract, six years, and we're going to hand you the keys to the organization. Go do it. And then, you know, less than two years in, you're pulling the plug on that. So $85 million in basically dead money. We talk about dead money with players. This is dead money with coaches and a GM. My second point, let the debate forever end about the success in New England with the Patriots. Was it Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels or was it Tom Brady? This should end the debate. Josh McDaniels cannot be a head coach on his own. He's failed miserably, miserably in Denver and Las Vegas. Bill Belichick has won 41% of his home games since Tom Brady left. And the Patriots currently sit at 2-7, and the worst record in the AFC. Tom Brady left. He went and won a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. Tom Brady continued to win games. I'm sure there's a mixture. Like Bill Belichick, yes, a great coach. One of the best of all time. But we're now seeing, over a period of time, What's Bill Belichick like without Tom Brady? And by the way, what's the Bill Belichick coaching tree like without Tom Brady? In this case, Josh McDaniels. Not very impressive. I would be shocked if McDaniels ever gets a head coaching job again in this league. He might be hired as an OC. I think the ship is sailed for him. Now, he's got guaranteed money coming to him for, I think, the next five years. So if I were him... I might just ride off into the sunset and go play golf or yeah. you know, go do something else, consult. I don't know. Um, but like most coaches who want to stay relevant, I'm sure he's going to try and get back in at some point. Who knows? Maybe he even winds up back in New England. 
But let's end the debate of the coaching staff or Brady. Who is more important? Brady's the GOAT. And Josh McDaniels didn't bring him to Las Vegas. That didn't work. He didn't bring him to Denver before. That didn't work. Bill Belichick is 2-7 and seven right now and has won 41% of his own games since Brady left. The numbers don't lie, Griggs. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, look what the Raiders did, too, on their first game without Josh McDaniels. They go out and destroy the Giants with a, back, a new quarterback, and they start yeah. celebrating like they won the Super Bowl in the locker room. They got cigars. and I mean, this is like you could tell when they move people that they don't need there and don't want there. The team likes it better, too. But uh, I agree with you. The the fish starts at the head and goes down, and we're seeing it with the, the Raiders big time. And uh, yeah, Josh McDaniels, go play some golf. Maybe that might work better for you. But And it's it's crazy to me, too, that stat you said, $85 million, you're paying these people that don't even work for you. I can't imagine. They're now paying two coaches, ex-coaches, that aren't even coaching for them, and they're still paying them. Right. So logic would tell you, and this is how a lot of owners work, well, I'm paying a lot of money to the two ex-coaches. I'm not going to pay very much to their current coach. Right. So Antonio Pierce has never coached before. He makes sense as the coach now. You pay him bupkis. I mean, relatively, right? You're going to yeah. pay him a lot of money, but you're not going to be paying him, you know, $10 million a year. So he might be the guy. Yeah. And you see what you have with him. You roll the dice. Like you said, they won the first game. I mean, it was against the Giants yeah. who have lost their quarterback for the year. Daniel Jones with a torn ACL. That's a whole story for another day. Signed as a big free agent in the offseason. And now he's done for this year. The Giants are, I think, two and seven. Yeah. So um, their season's essentially over. And, you know, now leads to our next headline. You're going to start seeing tanking in the NFL. <laughs> the Giants, the Patriots, the Bears. Yep. And what's the big prize? The big prize is Caleb Williams. Well, Caleb Williams. Played against Washington last weekend, and they lost. So USC has now lost three games. USC is not going to the college football playoff. They may lose their remaining games. They're playing Oregon this weekend. They've got a rough schedule coming up. They play their rival UCLA. There's a good chance that the Trojans finish 7-5, and 7-6, and six, whatever. I'm not sure how many games they have left. The point is this. And I said this a few weeks ago, and some people were like, oh, they still have a chance, and he's a kid. When I saw Caleb Williams jump into the stands and cry in his mom's arms, it wasn't because they lost to Washington. It's because he knows it's done. It's done. His college career, he, he's going through the motions at best if he comes back. Probably not going to win the Heisman again. But one thing we do know, if he walks away today, he's going to be healthy unless he gets hurt in a freak injury working out. And he's going to be the number one pick in the draft. And that's why these teams like the Giants and the Bears and the Patriots, who all need a quarterback, are tanking. So if I were advising Caleb Williams, I would say, you know what? Good run at USC. You won a Heisman. You won some games there. You got some NIL deals. Excellent. But son, you're a pro now. And not only are you a pro, you're the consensus number one pick coming up in the draft. 
do not risk it. Got it down. And people, oh, it's the last chance to play UCLA. And he's letting his teammates down. Business is business. I would not play another down for USC. I would shut it down. I think if he continues to play, you're playing roulette. Like you are just hoping that it turns out okay, that you don't have a catastrophic injury. And if he does, he will always look back and go, darn it, I should have shut it down. I won the Heisman. We were playing for a mediocre bowl. We're not going to win the Pac-12. Like, it's it's done. So, Griggs, I know there are people out there that will disagree. It's a college experience. He's a kid, but he's different. He could be the number one pick in the draft. That's millions and millions of dollars at stake. Shut it down. I agree. I totally agree. I think uh, it, it, college football is a business, and you mentioned it there. Like, it's not just kids playing football anymore. It's a business. We've got NIL deals. He's got many of them already. He's already making money. And he's going to be the number one pick. And he's got teams salivating over him and tanking because they want him to play. I agree. Why, why blow a knee out playing in a, in a meaningless game when you've got all this on the table? So I agree with you, but who knows? I mean, it sounds like from what I'm seeing, he's still planning on playing, but we'll see what happens. It's, uh, it's well, a big story to, to watch. Yeah, and by the way, uh, you know, Caleb and Michael Penix Jr., part of the excitement of that game is these guys leave the pocket a lot, Yeah, right? If they're feeling the blitz, like they're running. If you're running quarterback, you have even more of a chance that you're going to get hurt. He's not just sitting in the pocket. Mm-hmm. And I just, for his sake and his family's sake, I hope he shuts it down. And I hope he goes on to the NFL and he's going to be the number one pick. Rarely do we see a player that we're like, okay, that guy is the number one pick. Like it's it's LeBron, it's Victor Wembenyama. Um you know, it's John Elway, it's Peyton Manning. We know this person is the number one pick. That's Caleb Williams. So I would not risk that. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. 5G is here. Is your stadium ready? From an immersive fan experience to efficient game day operations, 5G is transforming sports and entertainment. If you're ready to jumpstart your 5G transformation, Look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is one of the largest operators of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. They provide stadiums and arenas with state-of-the-art 5G networks and support teams across the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, and NCAA. I'm constantly interacting with sports executives, and the reason they love working with Boingo is because Boingo manages 5G and Wi-Fi networks end-to-end, offloading very stretched IT teams. Whether your stadium is looking to support mobile ticketing, cashless payment, or connected operations, Boingo has you covered. But don't just take it from me. Their customers include world-class venues like Soldier Field, State Farm Arena, Petco Park, and University of Louisville. Boingo in 5G, now that's what I call a win-win. For a limited time, Boingo has a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. They're offering a free 5G assessment for your stadium or arena. To get started, simply email sbradio at boingo.com and mention this podcast. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. 
Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. All right, our next headline, the NBA in-season tournament is underway. If you go back, I think three weeks, we had Peter Fagan, the president of the Milwaukee Bucks on this show. He told us a lot of the things that the teams were going to be doing. We've got the new basketball courts. We've got the uh, new uniforms. There's $500,000 per player at stake for the winner. So you get a $500,000 bonus for winning. The coaches also now get a $500,000 bonus for the winning team. So there's some nice money at stake. But Griggs, there's a few things I would change. First of all, and I, I tweeted this out at SB Radio or X'd it out. What I don't, I don't <laughs> even call it X anymore. I posted this. This should be the David Stern Cup. Now, I'm biased because David Stern was a mentor and a close friend. He's been on the show eight times, just a gem of a human and missed greatly. But he was a visionary. He made the NBA what it is today, globalized it. This should be the David Stern Cup. So let's start there. It shouldn't be the in-season tournament. Kind of boring. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it says what it is, so I give it credit for that. Like, there's no debate. I wonder what it is. No. It's in-season tournament. It's very self-explanatory, so I, I get it. And this is year one, so like I get it. They're working out some of the kinks. But this should become the David Stern Cup. And then I also think it's one thing to give pros who are already making millions and millions and millions of dollars an incentive of 500000 which a lot of them might spend that at a night out of the club. <laughs> um, give the winning team an automatic playoff berth. Like, give them something meaningful. Like, at, at worst, you're going to be the eighth seed in the playoffs. We're still going to go by record. We're not going to make you the number one or the number two seed unless you earn it. But if you win the tournament, like, let's just say, I'm just throwing this out there. Let's say a team like the Minnesota Timberwolves won the tournament. Okay, they get hot and they win the tournament. If they don't finish as a top five seed, that's fine. But they can play the rest of the season knowing like we're in. And going all out in the end season tournament is worth it because we don't have the Denver Nuggets squad. We don't have the Celtics squad. So we're going to go all out to win this tournament. Because we know it comes with an automatic playoff berth. So if I were the NBA, I would rename this the David Stern Cup. And I would grant an automatic playoff bid to the winner of the tournament. That is meaningful. And again, I would take $500,000. But to a player who's earning $50 million a year, $500,000. And and I know they have pride. And I know it's the first year. And you know teams want to win this thing. But Greg, what are your thoughts on the tournament so far? Yeah, so I, I love the courts and the uniforms. I think that's fun. It's different. It's snazzy. And they're like, I remember watching the first couple of games. I'm like, wow, that's cool. I like how that looks. So I love that. Good move. Second, like, I love that it's early in the season. So everybody's healthy. So you're actually getting all these guys playing that you want to see play in the tournament. So they can actually win games. I think those are two pluses for me. A negative is... I don't feel like it's explained very well. I don't even think the players know what they're playing for or how it works. And I know as a fan watching, they don't explain. I didn't even know there was an incentive like that. I just 
found that out when you told me that. So I think it's not explained very well. I'm kind of lost at when does it end? How, where's the bracket? Where do we have a winner? Is there a, is there a show that we get to see the winner? Do they get a trophy? So I think the explaining of it is a little bit lost. Um, and I do like the David Stern cup. I think that's a great idea too. And I think they could even make the trophy with a Stern something. So, uh, there's good and bad, but I think, uh, we're working out the kinks, but I think it's, it's fun. It gives something else to market around it. And like I said, I love the courts. The uniforms are fun. I, I do love that, but, uh, just explain it some more. I think people need to know what the, what's going on. Yeah. So this does culminate with a final four in Las Vegas in early December. Um, I feel like there's buzz around this. People are talking about it. Like you said, even if it's just like, oh my God, did you see the Chicago Bulls all red court? Yeah. <laughs> like that's really cool. Um, and those uniforms and, you know, there's lots of merchandise opportunities. Like Peter Fagan said with the Bucks, like there's all kinds of new sponsor opportunities around the tournament. Um, you know, I'm sure in the next media rights deal for the NBA, Someone is going to get this chunk of the business. Like you're the exclusive broadcast partner or streaming partner of the NBA in-season tournament, hopefully called the David Stern Cup. <laughs> um, so it's brilliant while they're doing it. Like you said, it's early in the season. It's kind of the dog days of, mm -hmm. oh, everyone's watching football. How do we get some eyes on the NBA? So from that standpoint, it gives these games extra meaning which is really the goal here. Um, so I think the concept is great. I just think there's some things, like you said, that need to be worked out. Um, anytime it's year one of something, I remember when there was interleague play in Major League Baseball. Yeah. I was like, okay, wait a minute here. This has never happened before in my lifetime. Like, <laughs> I, I need to understand why the Cubs are playing the White Sox and why are the Yankees playing the Mets in the middle of the season. I thought this could only happen in the World Series. So um, we'll figure that all out. I think the concept is a good one. I think overall it's going to be a success. But, you know, it's going to be bumpy for the first couple of years and, and we'll see what comes out of it. But like all the other awards, like what is it, the Michael Jordan MVP, the Bill Russell MVP of the finals, like they're, you know, the trophies a couple of years ago were renamed the award after a player. Well, this should be the David Stern Cup. And I'm sure, I'm hoping that we have Adam Silver on at some point, the commissioner of the NBA. I, I can't imagine that Adam would have any problem with that, or the owners would. It's probably just a matter of time before something like that happens. Um, and it's not because they don't adore David Stern and everything he did for the league. It just hasn't happened yet. So uh, I'm sure it's a matter of time, but those are the changes that I would make. All right, more headlines. Busy week, Chris. The U.S. women's national team has hired a new head coach, and it's Emma Hayes, who was the Chelsea women's team manager. Um, this is going to go into effect pending approval and her salaries in negotiation as we record this. But it looks like her salary could match the salary of the U.S. men's national team manager, Greg Berhalter whose salary is listed as $1.6 million, according to U.S. Soccer's 22 uh, financial filing. So, you know, look, this makes sense. If you're going to have equal money between the men's teams and the women's teams, why would you pay the men's coach more than the women's coach? It doesn't make any sense. So this is smart. I don't know enough about Emma Hayes 
to say, oh my God, this is a home run hiring. Like this is getting Coach Spo to coach your team, you know, or um, Kim Mulkey or, you know, someone like that. I, I don't know enough about her, but it seems like it's been well-received so far. And, you know, the U.S. Women's National Team was disappointing in the recent World Cup. So, you know, you've got Olympics coming up next year in Paris. You've got World Cup coming up after that. Like, we've got some big things coming up on the horizon. And U.S. Women's National Team, you know, has been marketed and adored for two decades now. So this is a very prominent role. It's important they get it right. And it's important that they restore the women's national team to prominence after a disappointing World Cup. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's an iconic brand. It has been for years. It's uh, it's must-watch TV when they play. And it has been disappointing. The World Cup wasn't the best. So I think a, a move was uh, granted to happen. So I think, uh, yeah, I don't know a bunch about her but either, but it sounds like it's a good thing. And hopefully they can get out there on the pitch and start winning some games because, yeah, Paris is coming. That's going to be fun. And then uh, more World Cup action. So let's get them back in the winning circle. I look, I look forward to that. All right, another coaching hire. And this is kind of, I mean, it's surprising in, in a bunch of ways. Number one, so the headline is Craig Council is going from the Milwaukee Brewers to the Chicago Cubs after being in Milwaukee for close to a decade. Um, he's a finalist, one of three for manager of the year in Major League Baseball. So regarded as one of the best managers in Major League Baseball. And he's going to the Cubs. And the Cubs, by the way, are rivals with Brewers. The other headline is he's going to make $8 million a year for five years. He's going to make $40 million for you math geniuses out there. He will make more money in the next five years than he made in his 16-year career as a player, $22 million. Now, this surprised me. I mean, heck, I've hosted this show for a long time. I didn't know this. Major League Baseball managers are really underpaid until now. So Bill Belichick is the highest paid coach in the NFL, $20 million. Monty Williams is the highest paid coach in the NBA, $13.05 million. Nick Saban, highest paid coach in college football, 11.4. John Calipari, highest paid coach in college basketball at $8.5 million. And the NHL also doesn't pay their coaches very much. Todd McClellan, $5 million. So before Council just got this contract from the Cubs for $8 million a year, the highest paid manager in Major League Baseball $4.5 million. So you're almost doubling what the next highest paid manager was to get Craig Council to come to Chicago. So Griggs, what will be interesting now is does this open the door for Major League Baseball managers to be paid more money? Is this going to become more competitive? And we're going to see salaries north of $5 million a year when they haven't been I mean, still a lot of money, but in, in regards to what I just read and the other sports and who's making what, Major League Baseball has not paid their managers what other sports, college and pro, have paid their coaches. Yeah, I think it's a good way to open the door. And, you know, it's kind of like NFL and these other major sports in the offseason. It's musical chairs. I mean, we've already seen a bunch of managers, you know, take new gigs or they're free. Or they're out there You're like, where's this guy going to end up? So maybe with higher incentive and more pay, you'll get to 
some of these contracts will be longer. Some of these managers might stay at teams a little bit longer because there's more, uh, you know, more incentive and more built into it. So yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see uh, how this uh, opens the door for the managers. And I, I mean, I'm a Cubs guy. Ian Happ has been on this show. Great business guy. Um, Connect Coffee Roasters is his company. If you want to try that coffee sometime. Um, Dansby Swanson played here in Hillsborough, Oregon with the Hillsborough Hops. Got to know him a little bit. He's with the Cubs. So I, I, I think the Cubs are on the cusp of being a very good team. Mm-hmm. So you bring in Craig Council, and I think that's going to help them. If I was a Cubs fan, I'd be pretty excited about this hiring. Hey, it's not your money. It's, it's yeah. the Cubs money. But <laughs> it shows like they're going all in on Council for the next five years. Um, hopefully it worked out better than Josh McDaniels did with the Raiders. <laughs> All right. Our last headline, Griggs, if you remember a year ago, we did an entire show. We got a lot of feedback on the show, actually, on the fall of FTX mm-hmm. and of Twitter. So if you go back into our archives, I think it was last November. The show's titled The Fall of FTX and Twitter. Well, this last week, FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried was found guilty of stealing from customers of his now bankrupt cryptocurrency exchange in one of the biggest financial frauds on record, a verdict that cemented the 31-year-old former billionaire's fall from grace. Griggs, he looted $8 billion. Mm. $8 billion. This is worse than Enron. This is worse than the Bernie Madoff scandal. $8 billion. Now, people may go, well, this is a sports business show. Who cares about that? Well, if you go back and listen to our show from a year ago, Tom Brady was one of the spokespeople for FTX. Steph Curry was a spokesperson for FTX. Um, The Miami Heat. Had, I think, a 20 plus year naming rights deal with FTX on their arena, and they had to go out and find a new naming rights partner. So, this had tentacles into the sports business world. But this is the biggest financial fraud of our lifetime and in, in history $8 billion. So, Sam Bagman Fried is up for sentencing in March of next year. And he could face up to 115 years in jail. So this is going to end very poorly for him, as it should. Yep. When you scam people out of their life savings or, you know, you just con them to the amount of $8 billion, that's financial fraud. So that was a headline that jumped up and grabbed a lot of people. It was worth mentioning. I invite you to go back a year ago and listen to our show where we went into great depth as how FTX had its tentacles into the sports business world. Um, and, you know, this is uh, why you've got to be really careful and do your due diligence. Like I said on that show, and I say this in life in general, and I've learned this lesson in a number of different categories. When it's too good to be true, <laughs> it usually is. I don't care if it's with dating, if it's with investments, if it's too good to be true, it usually is. This was, they were handing out money like it was Monopoly money. 
I've got a 25-year naming rights deal for you, Miami Heat. Tom Brady and Giselle, we're going to throw hundreds of millions of dollars at you and Steph Curry in order to come on board. This was built on a house of sand, and it's all collapsed. And now the the leader of this, 31 years old, to pull this off. I mean, that's... Someone needs to do a movie on the psychology behind a 31-year-old, nothing against young people, but a 31-year-old getting the names involved in this to buy into, hey, it's too good to be true. He's clearly a brilliant person. I mean, to do this is, is baffling. I mean, you and me couldn't even, where would we start? To even, you right. don't even know to start. And I think he deserves every one of those 115 years in prison because I think this is one of the lowest crimes you can do to people. When you build that trust for, to take their money and, and invest that money to make them money and then you just steal it. I mean, it's, I think it's, it's, it ruins a lot of lives and we talk about the stars that are involved with it, but there's a lot of people that were with FTX that are, are just regular people that lost a lot of money. So uh, my dad was in the Enron thing. He lost so much retirement and it just mm. was like, it changed his whole rest of his work yeah. life. He had to work yeah. another 10 years longer. So I've seen it happen kind of personally. It's just a, uh, it's a low, low crime. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. And I hope he gets every one of those 115 years. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's interesting. You bring up your dad and thanks for doing that. Like your dad's different than Tom Brady or Steph Curry. Right. Like those guys can take a hit. Now they were named in some of the lawsuits. So if you're liable, which I don't think anyone's going to hold them liable, no. um, then that's different. But, you know, them losing millions is different than someone like your dad who doesn't have millions at stake. Right. Like, you know, the Bernie Madoff thing, I remember that. People had their retirement. You had all these older people who were at the end of their career. They're ready to ride off into the sunset and live from the hard work of earlier in their life. Yeah. And they were deprived of that because Bernie Madoff scammed them out of their money. And when they went to cash in on their retirement, there was no money left. So I agree that it's the it's the little people who are hurt by this a lot more than the people who make the millions. But make no mistake, like I'm sure the Tom Brady's and Steph Curry's are still feeling this at some level. Um, and certainly like the Miami Heat, they had to quickly pivot during the NBA finals <laughs> and go find a naming rights partner. And oh, I mean. When you, when you think about something too good to be true, if someone ever comes to you with a 20 to 25 year deal, and I think we did a show on this too. Yeah, we did. I don't care if it's, hey, go hey Otani, 20 years. Or if it's a naming rights deal, 20 years. What have I always said? I've said two things. One, the market's going to change over the 20 years. We have no idea what the market's going to be. I mean, people 20 years ago, there was no social media. There was no Facebook. There was no Instagram. There was no TikTok. There was no X. It didn't even exist. 20 years from now, there's going to be something that we don't even know what it is today. Yeah. Probably AI related. Yeah. <laughs> and so to look into the future 20 years and sign something today at today's market value and deprive yourself of what the market value could be 20 years from now. It's ridiculous. It's why I've thought that LeBron James, and he was really the first athlete to do this, sign short deals. Hold the team accountable. 
play with today's market value, not, oh, God, you know, Scotty Pippen signed a long-term contract. He's locked into that contract. Finances go up. Players start making more money. You're locked into the contract from seven years ago at that rate. So, you know, I know there's security. And I think five, even maybe a 10-year deal I could be talked into. Like, here's a great example of this. And we talked about this at the beginning of the year. Corbin Carroll. I think he signed an 11-year, 100 and some odd, $112 million deal with the Diamondbacks. I tweeted out during the World Series, this might go down as one of the greatest team-friendly contracts in the history of Major League Baseball. Corbin Carroll's probably going to win Rookie of the Year. His value at the end of 11 years might be $600 million, and he's locked in for 112. So kudos to him because he got security. 112 million is 112 million. It's a lot of money. And when you're 21, 22, like, woo, that's a lot of money. And I've got security. But who knows what the market's going to be 11 years from now? And you probably cost yourself money. If you're going to be playing at this level, rookie of the year level, guys are going to be making 40, 50, 60 million a year. So um, you never know how the market's going to turn out. But if anyone ever comes to you, audience, with a 20-year deal, I would definitely raise an eyebrow. <laughs> definitely think twice about signing the 20-year deal for all of the reasons that I just pointed out. Or, or at least in the contract, have an out where if the company fails, you get out of it with your money, <laughs> you know, something like that. Well, yeah, but like, I mean, if you look at the Miami Heat and they signed this 20 plus year deal with FTX, as the old saying goes, you can't get blood from a turnip. Yeah. Like they're, they're financially insolvent. So there's no way for FTX to make good with the Miami Heat or Tom Brady or Steph Curry or, you know, even just the average Joe that they owe money to. True. So um, I just think you're, you're, you're signing the deal and you're going, well, probably isn't going to last 20 years, but uh, let's ride it out as long as we can and hope <laughs> that it doesn't end catastrophically. Well, it did end catastrophically. And again, Sam Bankman Freed is going to go to jail for a very, very long time because of it. All right, coming up next, Adam Pliska, the CEO of the World Poker Tour. He's going to join me. I love poker. I love talking cards at this level. This is like high stakes stuff. Um, but like we said, if you want to get in for 600 bucks at this tournament at the Win in Vegas, you can do that too. So it's got that Cinderella, Rocky feel to it as well. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, Brian Berger here from Sports Business Radio. Underdog Fantasy is the official gaming partner of Sports Business Radio and the fastest growing fantasy app. Underdog is a variety of daily and season-long fantasy games that you can play. Best Ball Mania has $15 million in pool prize money and first place wins $3 million. You can play as many entries as you want and once you draft your team, you sit back and enjoy. No lineup change is needed. An underdog pulls your best performers and gives you those points. You never have to worry about leaving the wrong player on the bench again. 
Griggs and I will have our teams drafted for the upcoming NFL season, and this is a great way to enjoy all the upside of fantasy football without having to worry about maintaining your lineup each week. For daily fantasy, I love playing Pick'em and Rivals. With Pick'em, if I get five picks right, I can win 20 times my money. It's a fun way to do over-unders on player stats as well as pit players against each other. We've got a special offer for sports business radio listeners. New users get up to $100 matched on their first deposit when they use the code SBR, like sports business radio. SBR is the code to use. So download the app at underdogfantasy.com or in your app store and then enter the promo code SBR to get up to $100 to play with. Also, Make sure to listen to my conversation on Sports Business Radio with Underdog Fantasy founder and co-CEO Jeremy Levine. He shares the unique story of how he founded Underdog Fantasy, and he has great insight into the future of daily fantasy and sports betting. Thanks to Underdog Fantasy for being the official gaming partner of Sports Business Radio. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Adam Pliska. He is the CEO of the World Poker Tour. The 2023 World Poker Tour World Championship Festival is from November 29th to December 21st at the Win in Las Vegas. You can follow Adam on Instagram at adam.pliska. Adam, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? It's great. It's good to be with you. Thank you for, uh, thanks for making the time. All right. Before we talk about the World Championship, I want to talk about your path a little bit. So you went to USC Film School. You went to law school at UC Berkeley. How does that journey take you to your current role? Walk us through that. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I, I'm one of those people who, if you're on a panel and they say, how do you get to what you want to go? I don't know. This is the, this is the clearest explanation. But um, I, I did have a background in production. I worked with uh, an uh, amazing producer um, who did many great shows named Al Burton, who's my mentor. At some point, um, I went to uh, I went to law school um, more at the time as a person I was dating said, I'm going to go to Berkeley. So I said, OK, I'll go to Berkeley because that's <laughs> what happens when you're in your 20s and you just make decisions like that. Um, and I, I did. Um, I ended up working at a law firm uh, and uh, it did some uh, government work. I had a uh, was hired at the Senate Judiciary Committee and then um at some point, uh, somebody had, from my past in production when I was over at Castle Rock, um, said, uh, you know, hey, we're making a, uh, you know, we're making a, a, a company um, with a, a group that's uh, doing future programming. I went over there. Uh, that introduced me to Steve Whoopscomb, who eventually would um, go on to found the World Poker Tour. As I was going back to be a lawyer, um, Steve asked me to come back to, uh, if I'd help them for legal matters for a few weeks and three weeks turned into three months, they wanted to go public. I brought them public. Here I am 21 years later. Yeah, that's crazy. So, uh, what, let's do the math here. 2003 is when you started. Yeah. Uh-huh. Imagine the changes you've seen over that time. What are yeah. some of the biggest evolutions that you've seen in the time that you've been at World Poker Tour? Yeah. Well, First of all, the biggest evolution is we were the World Poker Tour, but I think we had one international stop. It was in France, at the great stop at the Aviation Club. But the world has definitely come into the, into the World Poker Tour. It is 
absolutely international. I mean, you look at the massive events that we're having in Asia, things that are happening in Latin America. Um, you know, people often talk about, oh, the poker boom uh, at that time in those early days. But the poker boom never ended. It just, it literally just kept going and going. And we're, you know, we're seeing great players from all over the world. I think that's probably the biggest evolution. And then, of course, in the early days, you had this great dichotomy of these great, immense stars of poker who were used to reading people. And then you got a lot more technical people and the people who played online. And now you had young people who suddenly matched the amount of play as those older people because they played online, you know, so many thousands of hands. And um, so seeing that, uh, seeing that play out is always a, always a, a great fun to, to watch. Yeah, what would you say? I, I'm always curious by this. What would you say is the skill set needed to be a champion poker player? Well, considering uh, my stats or whatever, I don't know that I am the person to be giving the advice, but I will say this as an observer. I was just a, as, a, as a fan and observer that, um, you know, like everything else, yeah, temperament, um, you're a person's temperament. You really see why there's professional book writers mm -hmm. because those people who excelled so well you see how they're not only focusing on their game and they're continuing to uh, refine their game, they're focusing on their life because their life affects so much. I mean, whether it is bankroll or your health or your ability to get sleep or whatever it is, I mean, the health movement in the poker space in the last you know, 10 years has been just tremendous. Hmm. That's really interesting. For our listeners who aren't familiar with the tour, how many stops are there? You know, you mentioned a stop in Asia where, I mean, I imagine this is all sure. over the world, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have, you're going to have about 10 to a dozen main tour stops that of the people who get on the champions cup or whatever, but we have prime stops, you know, every month you'll find one at some location, uh, you know, often two, um, all over the world. Um, you know, whether it is, uh, you know, we'll, we'll you know, we'll be at Jacksonville uh, next. That um, uh, that's a, a it's for a main tour stop. But we'll be in Vietnam and Cambodia. And um, I was just in Liechtenstein. I'd never been in Liechtenstein before, and that was a record-breaking number. I mean, people came from all over um, in this uh, in this country that that takes thirty minutes to drive in and out of. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, Rounders is one of my favorite movies with Matt Damon and Ed Norton. Yeah. So. You know, I am not a good poker player, but just watching that movie, I mean, just the the strategy and the non-verbal communicators, the body language, really interesting to see uh, how it all works. Yeah, it's it's true. I mean, you, you look at some of the great players of the game and all of the all of the perceptions. Um, there was a there's a lawyer named Anthony uh, Tony Cabot, and he wrote a law review article on whether uh, poker was a game of skill. I don't say it's not really a debated issue anymore, but in the early days, he basically showed through a graph that playing with a skilled person and playing, you know, just coming in, just an uh, amateur coming in. At the beginning, the luck quotient is much, it, it, it's pretty high. I mean, mm -hmm. anyone, any one of us, I mean, that's the great thing about poker. 
I could play in the I could play in the in the main tour event and I could walk away for five with five or six million dollars. Um, and that says a lot given my my abilities. But if you see over time, making the right decisions over time and getting better, and it really just shows this is something that if you want to dedicate, you want to spend a little time every week and make yourself a little bit better, you will see results. Hmm. All right. The event coming up at the win in Las Vegas, yeah. the prize pool has increased from $15 million to <laughs> $40 million. That's a huge thing. Yes. It's not, it's not like $5 million. It's, it's more than double. How do you, do you increase the prize pool that much? Yeah, well, a few factors went into this. First of all, we had a wonderful reception from the players last year. I mean, our, our goal was to make the most player-friendly event that we could create. And, um, you know, with our partner, the Win and Encore, uh, Wynn Resorts is amazing. What a, I mean, you just can't get a better place to play and just to be and what an environment. And, um, and players were resounding in their support. And so that obviously helps uh, a lot, but no doubt that this is a big, it's a big jump. And um, I will be pacing the floors as everybody. We've done other things. We've increased the amount of days that the players can come in. That really is one of the big factors is can we fit everyone? Right. And, and so um, making sure that it was extra days so that people could come in. Um, But considering that and knowing that fitting everyone is a bit of a cap, and making sure that this is uh, an event that has that excitement is that, you know, as I said, somebody could go to WPT Global, you know, win a very tiny saddle and get on a satellite, win a trip, end up playing, be at the final table. And I'll tell you, everyone's the fine. Everyone will be a millionaire at the final table. I think mean, most people make over $2 million at the final table. Somebody's going to go on with five or $6 million at the final table. Um, but all of those factors play in. Number one is the support that we found with players. And so they're going to keep giving us support. We're going to keep taking risks. If my notes are right, last year you had 2,960 entrants. Yeah. How many will you have this year? The same, more? Yes. Well, uh, we will uh, uh, hopefully have more. I mean, I hopefully we'll be, you know, there are 5,000. You know, we'll be, uh, you know, it's, uh, as I said, a big factor to us was, Literally making sure that people could comfortably come in and, and out. We're, we really tried to make the the sign up process, you know, as seamless as possible and pleasant as possible. So, um, you know, there are some kind of natural caps to where you can go. But um, yeah, I I expect that was you know, at the end of the day, people also uh, players want to be in a good environment. They want to play in a a, a place that is they want to have the prestige that they they've deserved but also and at the at the end of the day they want to feel like there's value and um i mean there's value here everybody's coming from all over the world so if you're a, if you're a pro this is a great this is this is obviously a place that you're gonna you want to uh end up okay if i come to las vegas and i want to get into this tournament yeah how much do i have to put down to get into the tournament well i mean look you have you can come down with 600 bucks in some of the, the events. Uh, you can play in the uh, prime championship where also, you know, for, you know, some, someone's going home a millionaire and probably more. And that, that's, uh, you know, uh, you know, just, you know, 1100 bucks. I mean, you come down there. 
or you can decide you're ready. Um, come and play at the 10,000 at the, uh, for the championship. Um, and, uh, or the many satellites. I mean, that's the great thing. WPT Global, Club WPT, uh, WPT Global is continuing to be giving away seats. Club WB is giving away, you know, they've already put in, uh, there's a hundred people coming. There's going to be from all casinos all over, there's going to be over a thousand qualifiers coming in from one way or the other. Uh, but if you're really feeling confident, we do have the million dollar one drop where for a mere million dollars, you can go in and, uh, and, uh, you'll you'll definitely be on TV and uh, we'll we'll have a great time. So that gets you to the final table. If you come in with a million dollars, you're you're getting to the final table. Well, I mean, uh, no, uh, actually, that is not the, the the million dollars one drop will be taped for TV. So we okay. will have we will uh, tape ENG crew, but the final table uh, will will certainly that will be a, that will be a very big uh, that will be a very big um, number here. <laughs> and tell our audience where can they watch this on TV. Yeah, so the good thing about World Poker Tour it is it's all over um, now. But uh, and on we're on Valley Sports, uh, we're on uh, you know, uh, multiple networks. If you look at Directv, you always find World Poker Tour playing all the time. We're on ninety-one networks across the world. Um, you know, you find us on Pluto, you can find us in Samsung. Uh, you will find the live streams here on WPT Global and WPT.com. Um, you, you'll find, uh, you'll find us on, um, on our Twitch stream. You're going to find us all over the place during the big events and you're going to be able to watch them as well. Now, Phil Ivey is known as the, the Tiger Woods of, of poker by many. Mm -hmm. He is an ambassador for world poker tour. What's that like having him out there as a, as a spokesperson for you? It's amazing. I mean, having been a person who has been here since the beginning mm -hmm. and, you know, it's, you know, it's, you know, imagine like you were the, um, you know, the owner of the uh, NBA and Michael Jordan says as he's open to, he wants to be an ambassador of Lee, you know, it's, it's you know, you have a, a true legend and not only because of the, his immense success, but, you know, the, the profound impact that he's had on the game and culture. And I was just doing a, a has had a group over filming a documentary on him and just reflecting on his immense achievement. So it's great because these, these heroes, these polarized, these, uh, uh, um, these anchor, uh, uh, individuals remind us the most important thing about poker, which is, Hey, you know what? This is something that is worth it. It's worth spending the time. It's worth, you know, and, and you know, he's still having fun. Like 20 years later, he's doing a, he's, you know, on top of the world. That's the other thing about poker. You can, you can jump in at any time and you can continue to find success at, at any point in time. All right. I'm really interested in the production of the world championship at the win in Las Vegas. Give us an idea of the scale. So we've talked about the number of entrants. We talked about the prize money, but when you're working with the win, you know, how many tables are there and that final table, where is that? Like the win is a great, sure, sure. you know, but I it, think it's just interesting to kind of, what's the production of this thing like? Yeah. So you're going to, first of all, um, it's the most convenient poker uh, uh, facility uh, because what's happening is you go right into the, from the parking and you're going to see this beautiful entrance in this hallway and you're going to see, you're going to be 
interacting with a lot of things. Our Club WPT will have an event there. There'll be a VIP uh, lounge that has all of the great things for our champions. The champions will all be in there. Uh, a lot of the interviews will take place in there. Um, there is a concierge service that we put in for the first time, uh, a place where you can take a photo with the, a, the WPT final table booth. There's a lot of fun things that you're going to see. Um, but then you walk into the Encore Ballroom and you just see just so many tables. And you, uh, the, I mean, the biggest, if you ask me what the biggest challenge we have in the live production, we literally cannot fit anything else in there because we got to fill it with tables. Wow. So every time that we put a, you know, massive trophy or whatever it is, it really, there's someone else who's going, yeah, we got to get more tables in. We have some more space. So it's filled with tables, but there is a stage where the live streaming will, will be, and some of the great poker players will be up there and playing. It's a very fun environment. You can order food from your app. It's so convenient, so great. You're at the win. It's great. The win has also been offering promotional um, rates. And, and honestly, if you had never, if you weren't even playing, these are, these are you know, these are just, it just shows their level of commitment. It's just so nice. But on the production, the actual production of the final table, when you get there, um, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have some shows before we're gonna have some show beforehand. We're gonna see the production come to life. This year, we actually debuting a set. We'll have a celebrity um, a, a celebrity event, and our we've worked with the uh, artist Daniel Arsham, who's redesigned the set. That's gonna we're gonna be debuting that this time. It is this Latour ballroom over the way gets transformed into a, a really poker, uh, just a, a beautiful set. And I just can't wait. So people are invited to come over there, watch it, watch play and watch people uh, come watch your friends make uh, a lot of money. Clearly, they're going to be uh, buying the drinks that night. Now, are signups done or can you still sign up? If you're listening to this right now and you go, you know what? I want to get in on the, on the World Poker Championships Absolutely. in Las Vegas. Absolutely. Cool. You can, you can do it. You'll be able to do it all the time. You can, if you want to find, if you want to find satellites, I suggest you go to WPTglobal.com or clubwpt.com or just go to WPT.com and it'll tell you everything that you need to know where at the wind that you can come. And we just, um, if I get, the one thing that I just want to stress is like the, the player participate, we have something for everyone. I mean, uh, whether you're a new person or you're a pro and it's such a wonderful, fun environment. Everyone can feel it. We want everybody to have a great time. We're going to have a, a great player party that everyone is welcome to come and play. And we just want people to feel like, you know, the co community has come together and, um, yeah, it's your time to shine. And we're going to do everything that we can to help. Now, there's a number of A-list celebrities that love playing poker. Do you ever have any of the celebrities say, hey, you know what, I want to, compete against the best. I want to see if I can take home oh, yeah, the title. Yeah, 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 absolutely. We used to have very large scale um, celebrity poker uh, uh, nights and we've now uh, reduced them to some kind of uh, special TV events or whatever, in part because as you can imagine, coordinating with celebrities, and, right. uh, when it starts to get over 20 or whatever it is, that's, that, can be, that can be very tough. In an organization, but we do have so many. I mean, and I, I talk to, uh, you know, people all the time. We just love it. In part, the reason why, and you see that our celebrity, our, our charity events, um, is that 
celebrity, let's say the event that we've done with Tiger Woods for the last 10 years, it is the most organic way to meet. If you think about it, let's just say you have your idol and you want to meet Tiger Woods or whatever it is. You, you walk up there and then you think, what am I going to say? And he's heard it all before, whatever. It's a completely different experience when you go into a poker room and it just so happens that, you know, next to you is a celebrity who's playing. You're playing. There's all the pretense. There's just nothing that, you know, you, you're just two people at a poker right. table. Yeah. And that's where you get really cool interactions. And um, it's, it's very fun to see. All right. What is the future or the next evolution of the World Poker Tour? So, you know, we've talked about this increase in prize money. Yeah. Obviously, uh, you know, the broadcasting and the televised events. But, you know, you've been doing this a long time now. As you're planning for the next evolution, what's ahead? What do you see? Sure. Well, you're going to see a lot more uh, events and online um, participation with WPT Global the online sites and the people around the world can feel like they can participate just like they've been able to do with Club WPT in the U.S. all, all of this time. Um, but we're going to do some more community fun things. We have the WPT Voyage coming up. Um, I, I was down at uh, Necker Island and um, Richard Branson, I was telling him we had this uh, cruise ship. And he said, well, why don't you do it on ours? He's like, it's adults only. I think it would work. We did it. It was an immense success. And we did it. And then we went back. And this is another big jump we're taking. So we've charted, it's the first time it's ever happened, we've charted the entire cruise ship. So wow. we're just basically taking a city of, you know, 3,000 rooms or whatever it is. And we are, um, and it's going to be in March. And all of poker community is invited. And it doesn't matter. Even if you're just like, I got to play sometimes. Come out, have fun. We got a private beach. We're renting the Bohemian Beach. We're going to have a massive party. It's going to be poker the entire time. It's just going to be great. And by the way, there will be a main tour event on there as well. So you can become a WPT champion, um, you know, while you're, while you're vacationing and enjoying yourself. And Virgin Voyages is not like any uh, cruise ship you've ever seen before. It is phenomenal. It's a great experience. I love that idea. Like turning the whole ship into whole ship. Poker. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. All right. Before I let you go, um, I follow you on Instagram now. And as I was browsing, I saw that recently you swam with whales off the yeah. coast. What was that like? Yeah. I mean, I've seen whales in Maui. I've never swam with the whales. Yeah, it's amazing. So the nice thing about this is that we we travel all over the world and we really try to take players and, inter and interact with the environment. So it's more than just there to play. It's a, it's a way to experience the world. Um, so uh, Ashley and our team uh, set this up. It was swimming with whales. But swimming with whales? Or he's watching whales? No, no, no. We're swimming with whales. It was out of this world. You literally, you get on a little boat and you follow whales in their path. And the craziest thing is whales like particular music. Apparently they like Bob Marley. Oh, and interesting. They like, they like, and they like deep bass things and you kind of make some noise. Now, when you jump in the water, you got to be silent. And then they'll decide whether or not they go up to you. You don't chase them or whatever. They plus their their fins will they can go so far in just a second. It was transformational. I mean, yeah. it is just you'll look at the world differently when you're that close to a whale. That is an incredible experience. Like I said, I've seen them up close, but to be yeah. in the water with yeah. them, 
Yeah. That's, that's phenomenal. I mean, part of you says, what am I doing? This thing is this red mouth is coming at me and you know, whatever. But it, it's just, it's, I mean, I, I could not recommend it more. It's amazing. Well, I would imagine, like you said, as, as part of your job, you see some amazing parts and have some amazing experiences of the world. Yeah. Yeah. It is nice um, because, you know, everyone is equal at a poker table. And it's a nice thing about poker is that, you know, in a time that we, we, there's so much talk about division and all of that. Yeah. Come to the encore and look, come and see the people who are sitting across from each other from the different backgrounds and different places that they are being competitive, but in a really wonderful spirit. Yeah. And when they take breaks, they take breaks with each other and they explore around the area. And so it is in a, in a time that can be difficult. It's a nice reminder that there is, there's some, there's some good out there as well. I love that. Adam Pliska, the CEO of the world poker tour. You can follow him on Instagram at Adam dot pliska adam do you want to give out the website for the tour one more time yeah so just i want to encourage you to go to wpt.com or if you want to uh, for for some satellites there's uh club wpt.com or wptglobal.com and we uh we're looking forward to seeing everybody in december adam thanks for joining me on sports business radio thank you there's nothing common about you now your talent your drive, your achievements, or even your challenges. You need distinctive financial strategies that match your lifestyle and career trajectory. Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment was created to address your specific needs at every stage of your career and deliver the financial education and strategies you need to help advance your game plan. They speak the language. They know your business. Morgan Stanley will work with you to achieve your goals. I've trusted Morgan Stanley with my personal wealth management for almost 20 years. Visit Morgan Stanley at morganstanley.com backslash GSE. That's morganstanley.com backslash GSE. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks to the Sports Business Radio team, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Ryan Nakajima, and Nicole Wardle. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions, griggsproductions.com.